You're listening to a podcast from 702. Bongani Mingwa. 702 Afternoon Drive. 3 to 6. So it's 11 minutes after 3 o'clock. Now, yesterday, I promised you as we came on air that we'd bring you Cyril Ramaphosa's inaugural speech as ANC president live as it happened. It had been scheduled to take place at around 5 p.m. or thereabouts, and we planned, of course, accordingly. Now, in the event, it was delivered after midnight, and I was fast asleep, I'm afraid. Uh, What is it with these midnight pronouncements? It must be an ANC presidential thing. Who knows? So finally, we have successfully concluded the 54th National Conference of the ANC. We have it behind us. Does it feel a little bit like an anti-climax in some ways? You know, rather like... I don't know, a sibling's wedding, for example, right? For months, you're part of planning and your life is centered around this event. But as soon as the couple leave for the honeymoon, you're a little bit, I don't know, out of the story. You're left out and they'll go on happily to their new life. But you're sort of uninvited, as it were. That's kind of the feeling I have uh, in the aftermath of the conference. Now, there's a new NEC and the feeling is that It's a reflection of the power balance within the party at the moment. Cyril Ramaphosa has a slight advantage, or if you agree with what I've been saying the last couple of days, he will increasingly get greater support, even from those who didn't support them. I mean, it's quite clearly in their own interests to do so. He is the future. Zuma is the past. I think it's that simple. So what happens next? To recall or not to recall? That is the question. How soon if at all. Remember, Tabombegi walked off into the sunset into a quiet and dignified life. There was never any prospect of him possibly wearing an orange uniform. What happens if Jacob Zuma resists? There are the pending charges against them against him if they are pursued. Uh, the new NDPP, it seems to me, in all likelihood, will charge him. Uh, and of course, uh, we understand that it's a, it's a conference resolution that there must be an inquiry into state capture. There's that ruling by the North Gauteng High Court uh, as well, as far as that matter is concerned. So we know there are a number of civil society groups have approached the Concord to speed up the process that would inevitably have been delayed by Zuma's appeal of that recent North Gauteng High Court. So we'll crunch the top six numbers and those of the NEC. What happened in the eight days of September 2008 as the process to unseat Tabombeki is well documented in Frank Chigana's book of the same name. So what was it like, though, to live through those months? I mean, did the Mbeki administration know that a recall was imminent? And what was the atmosphere? How do you run a country with a sword hanging over your head? And of course, Mbeki chose not to stay, but technically and constitutionally, he could have dug in his heels. Uh, What happened to those who'd been aligned to him? There was a purge of officials. I remember uh, former communications chief uh, Temba Kumalo being hounded uh, out of even a parastatal after he'd found employment there because there was this sense that they were going to get to the Mbekaites, as they were called. And the taller they had stood, the mightier they fell. Joining us now on the line is political analyst with the UNISA School of Governance, uh, Dumisani Lope in Kensington in Johannesburg. Uh, good afternoon to you and thank you for your time. Thank you. Good afternoon, Bongan. You, you have too much energy for my holiday mood. <laughs> well, give me, give me one more day and I'll be there with you, buddy. Give me one more day. Now, you say the narrative of a divided NEC is simplistic and in fact not even accurate. 
Uh, yeah, especially the top six. Um, I think immediately the top six was, you know, voted in. There was this narrative that is, is highly constrained. It is not going to function because, as many said, it was a 3-3, meaning that there were three people aligned to Cyril Ramaphosa and the three people aligned to uh, the Jacob Zuma camp. And that's what I'm disputing. Because uh, if you look into the three people that are said to be aligned to, to, to President Zuma, for example, uh, you look into Didi Mabuza, you look into Jesse Duarte as, as well as Ace. But if you explore yeah. the substance of their politics, you get a different story. So let's talk about Mabuza firstly. I mean, you credit Paul Mashatile for bringing him over to the other side. Talk to me about how that might have unfolded. Well, you know, Bongan, what is important sometimes in politics? If you are going to follow politics, it's important to track what people say over time. I think in the last few months, uh, David Mabuza was, was, was throwing these hints that, uh, frankly, he's not in the NDZ camp. Uh, you know, he started saying during that uh, conference in, in June, the policy conference, that he does not belong to any section. In July, yes. Uh, yeah, in July. And as soon as thereafter, the Youth League uh, in, in, you know, in Pumalanga said that if she wants, if he wants to be president, they'll be, they will take him to that position. Uh, and, uh, and then more and more you begin to have even some big guru like, uh, Robert Kumete who hosted the birthday party. He made a similar comment that, look, this is the man that we think that he can be a very good president. So he, it was very clear from some of these insinuations that he was not going to go that camp. Uh-huh. And, and when there were allegations, by the way, that he was a spy, Jesse Duarte responded by saying in, at some point that, look, we are also not sure who, where does this guy come from. So if a senior political leadership, you don't really forget you no know, such thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, so all along, it was very, very clear that he was not going to be on that side so, uh, of NDZ. In fact, he messed up the campaign of NDZ. So he can be right now be said to be on the Zuma's, you know, faction. Does he stay on as Mpumalanga Premier? Um, I don't think so. If the and yeah, that's another important dynamic that you are bringing because he will have to move to Lutuli House. Uh, the same way that Zelim Kiza had to leave Kaiser Tent, you know, to Lutuli House, uh, which in most cases, maliciously, when these provinces are tired of somebody, they have a tendency to ship them to the national leadership at Lutuli House. And the same, ACE cannot remain. Um, where the free state, so he has to move to Lutuli House. Yeah, I mean now, because that opens him up. Yeah, yeah, because the secretary general's job is a full-time requirement in terms of running Lutuli House. Uh, so, how do you see that unfolding? I mean, Tabo Magnoni in the free state does he then get the upper hand, and what could he possibly expose about the man who's now become his arch nemesis? Well, I, 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 I think that's one of the things that might expose Ace because if, if when. In fact, it's not in his best interest to move to Lutuli House, but the branches have spoken, so he has to move. So if he moves, and then 
the, the inquiry into state capture is instituted and uh, he is, you know, there are some allegations around him and he's not necessarily at his political power base in the free states. And if the possibility that Tabomanyoni takes over, who they are not necessarily in the same camp. That exposes him a great deal politically. So all of these issues, if you put David Mabuza and what I said, and then you put Ace with this increasing political vulnerability that he finds himself on, they are not necessarily two centers of power within the national, uh, within the top six uh, of the ANC. Instead, there's a growing consolidation of power around the Ramaphosa axis. So I have to ask you this then. I mean, if we kind of, uh, I don't know, have a deja vu moment. After Pulukwana, we saw an, a, a, really a purge of the so-called Mbekaites, the people, uh, people were even hounded out of their jobs after leaving their former positions in government. In this, How critical is the setting up of the state of capture inquiry and talk contextualize it around the legal issues uh, that have arisen out of the North Gauteng High Court, uh, the fact, of course, that there's still the appointment of the next uh, uh, NDPP. Are all those issues going to set the scene, if you will, for a recall? Look, definitely, but then it, it, it also adds, you know, a, a power base in terms of political minority. Sorry, um, political morality to the extent that the ticket that Ramaphosa used together with his colleagues like Paul Mashatile around issues of fighting corruption and all of that. It means even if they don't have your typical 80% numbers within the NEC, because they have projected themselves as fighting corruption, it, will def- it, it definitely gives them uh, an upper hand. But, but thinking differently, Bongan, I, I think if you look at post Bulukwan, there was a typical uh, a power game, so to speak. Like, like, you know, the victorious camp, you know, from, from Bulukwan was actually exercising more of a naked power that says we are, we are in charge and therefore this kind of a trajectory which is happening against President Zuma will not necessarily take place. So they exercise what I call a naked power, power the bravado, the, the yeah. macho, the masculinity. But in this case, it, it, it's not necessarily the same because, um, you know, Ramaphosa has to play that unifying force, you know, that reaching out. He has to show yeah. that, you know, this, 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 despite the fact that is now taken charge, he will not necessarily do what others have done. So I don't see the political machinations, by the way, being the driving force that could recall President Zuma. Rather, I see these processes that are taking place through the judicial system that might result in a possibly big decision that the NEC is forced to recall him. All right, uh, Dumisani Klop, a political analyst with the UNISA School of Governance. That's his perspective. Of course, uh, we do know that it took months after Pulukwane in what was a far more certain environment, if you like. And the interesting question, of course, is where does all of this leave that family from Saxon world?